The Dental Download Podcast is your source for insight into dental school, conversations with dentists, specialists, and leaders in the industry. With new episodes every Monday morning, I'm your host, Haley Schultz. Let's get into this week's episode. Hello, everybody. Happy Monday. Welcome back to another episode of the Dental Download Podcast. My name is Haley. I'm your host. I'm a D2 at University of Michigan's Dental School, and today is going to be a solo episode, just me, and the topic is how to prepare for a practical. So I'll talk a little bit about the practicals that I have done so far all of first year of dental school, and now in my D2 fall, we've had one so far, and then I'll go through my tips or things that I personally like to do before practicals, and maybe that'll give you some insight if you're approaching your first practical or two of dental school, or if you're pre-dental and wondering what practicals are all about. Before we get into the main episode, I'm going to do my quick little recap, and this past week was not super eventful. On Monday, we had a midterm for GI system that was pretty... I don't want to say easy, but straightforward, and I did well on that. And then we had SimLab that afternoon. On Tuesday morning, I had my first radiology rotation of D2 fall, so this semester. And then I had a meeting for the Cosmetic Dental Society. We had a prosthodontist speak to us about cosmetic dentistry in general and also a lot of business management tips. And then right after that, I had quite a few members of Christian Dental Association over for just a little social bonfire. And I also recorded another podcast episode with a guest this week that is a D1 at University of Buffalo's dental school. So that'll be coming up in December. That's kind of where I'm booking out to, if you will, when I get new guests that want to be on the show or that I reach out to them. And then I also did a Zoom presentation for USNDA, so it's the undergrad version of Student National Dental Association, which was founded for minority dental students, and I presented to their chapter at Detroit Mercy over Zoom. Then today is Thursday when I'm recording this intro for you all, and I assisted on a pretty cool case. It was a same-day onlay, so fortunately we do have the chance to do some same-day Pros treatments for patients if we work with one specific faculty at our school. So that just means that the patient showed up for the 8 a.m. appointment slot, the student dentist prepped the tooth for the onlay, and used the 3D scanner prime scan machine to take the scan, the impression of the tooth, and then used the prime scan to design the onlay. And then they went downstairs and milled it right in the school, right in-house, And then that took about 15 minutes to mill and about 5 to 10 more minutes to glaze. And then they brought it back up into the clinic. And that's when I jumped in for the 11 a.m. appointment. And I was the assistant just with the onlay delivery. So we did the etching and bonding. And since um, the material that was used, we needed to use Nexus to cement the onlay down, which is something I had used the week prior when I was assisting on an Emacs crown delivery. So I was pretty familiar with that, and it was nice to know that something that I had used before and then seeing it again and actually knowing something about it is always rewarding when you feel like you're learning and remembering things. Tomorrow on Friday, we have our dentures class as usual. 
which is every single Friday we have dentures, and then we have Crown and Bridge Lab Monday, Wednesday. But we have in-person quizzes every Friday that we have class, so I was just preparing for that today. And then we're going to start setting teeth. We have our occlusal rims, maxillary and mandibular, which are just wax rims, due that need to get signed off by our faculty. I think I'm going to get there a little early because I realized there's part of mine I didn't do right. I didn't fill the uh, master cast with wax all the way down to the depth of the vestibule. Mine kind of are just like plopped right on top of there when they should be more like cohesive and full looking. So I'm going to have to go in early to add some wax tomorrow and then we'll be setting teeth during that class period. And once that's over, I'm headed to the Detroit airport and I'm flying to Irvine, California for the weekend. So the weekend before you're listening to this with an event with Pacific Dental Services, they're hosting a CAD CAM workshop and invited myself, my roommate, and a few other dental students from around the country to go there and they're hosting us and paid for the trip and everything. Just a one-day event on Saturday and then we'll fly back on Sunday morning. And that's pretty much everything for that previous week before you're listening to this episode. So we'll get into the main episode, my tips and tricks and recaps of what practicals are like in dental school. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. So I think before we get to tips and everything for practicals, I just wanted to show share with you all what kind of practicals we've had at my dental school. So first year, we really just do preps and restorations. And then D2 year, we just do crowns, bridges, and dentures. We don't do any more preps for like cavity preps. And first year, we had practicals for every single class of prep so class one class two class three class four class five the order that we learned it in though was class one which is just the occlusal filling and then we did the class threes which are just like tiny little oval or cube size ones and then we did um the following semester we had class fours, class fives, and then finished off with class twos because those tend to be the hardest. That would essentially be like a um, MO or a DO, so something that's going to be interproximal and occlusal. And for all of those, we did both composite and amalgam. We didn't have practicals on composite and amalgam for every type of restoration, but we had one amalgam practical and then all of the other ones class one through class five we had to restore with composite and then d2 year so far being that it's early october so over the month of september we had a practical for dentures and a practical for crown preps so for dentures we had to do a maxillary custom tray and then for crown preps we had to do a gold crown prep for 14 and 30 
And when it comes to crown preps, the materials that you're going to be using for the actual crown restoration determines how you're prepping the margin of the tooth. So we knew it was gold, so that determined um, how much of kind of a inclined slope you give the margin versus making it more like of a flat um, corner is the best way I can explain it over a podcast. And then right now in lab or working on and will have practicals on is a crown preps of just different teeth 3 and 13 but we're preparing them to be emacs and porcelain fused to metal pfm so there's again two different types of preps that you'd be doing they're just slight variations you're still using similar burrs but you might switch from a bigger size to a smaller size or something so we're working on that right now for our next practical and then our following two practicals for d2 fall for crowns is going to be a crown prep and then a provisional for 30 and then our final practical is going to be a crown prep and a provisional for 13 provisionals are your temporary crown so that's what you would create or fabricate the day that you have the patient come in for a crown prep so you can send them home with something so they don't have this shrunken down tooth in their smile and they can still eat and talk and aesthetically look okay until the permanent crown, the final crown, is sent back to you from the lab. Kind of like I was talking about in the intro, you might hear of some private practices saying same day crowns. That just means you're going to get the permanent final crown the same day that they do the preparation versus putting on a temporary and then bringing you back in about two weeks. So that's some info for crowns. And that is kind of the breakdown of all the practicals that we've done. It might not seem like much over D1 year, but it takes a while. I think I would say on average they give us, I think like two weeks to do project sheets for different teeth for a certain type of preparation. And then the third week you would have your practical is usually how they're spaced out. So that just is the way it worked out. Like I said, doing amalgam and composite and doing the different um, classifications of cavity preps and then for crowns it was kind of the same thing I think we had a little bit more time though than that even let me look at my monthly calendar really quick so I can be accurate for you all so we started lab on September 1st it looks like and then so we had one two three four five six seven sessions and then we had a practical I don't know if it's going to be the exact same amount of class sessions before our next practical, but that does seem pretty realistic, um, being maybe like five, six, seven sessions before a practical. But let's get into how I prepare for a practical. That can give you some ideas of things that might be helpful for yourself, depending on what works for you. So I kind of broke it down into weeks ahead the week of, and the day of. So weeks ahead, I would just make sure you're familiarizing yourself with the rubric. I think that's most important. I'm assuming most schools grade off of a consistent criteria on in the format of a rubric. So make sure you understand how you're going to be graded and what criteria they're looking for for each aspect of your preparation or each aspect of your restoration. So if it's a totally new skill, like you're a D1 and you've never done, or even me as a D2, like I'd never done a crown prep before. So if you're starting a totally new skill, I would say pick one element of the rubric and focus on that and then go and do another prep and focus on the following element once you feel like you got the first thing down. For example, 
you might have trouble that your isthmus gets too wide when you're doing a class one prep. So you might also have problems that your walls aren't converging and diverging in the right place. You might have a problem with how wide your dovetail is. So those might be like three things and every time you're trying to fix all of them and nothing's really getting that much better or you fix one thing and something else seems to get worse, all totally normal with practicing to perform in a practical. But I would just say pick one thing. So this time I'm just going to focus on my isthmus and whatever else happens, happens. And you might have to do it once or twice or something, but you should get a good feel for exactly how you're going to start, how you're going to hold your burr, what order you're going to do everything in, that you're going to feel comfortable with that one element. And then I would just say pick another part of the rubric, focus on that. So just kind of pick something, focus on that, and then you can combine it all and continue your extra practice and extra refinement. That works best for me and makes it a little less overwhelming when there's so many things that they're looking for in the grading criteria. I would start to time yourself closer, like maybe one week away from the practical, just so you're aware of how long it takes you to complete something. I'm not sure if every dental school has timed practicals, but I would imagine since you have to share the sim lab with other students, like D1s or D2s, so you can't be in there forever. But for us, I think we usually have about an hour and 15 minutes or something or 45 minutes, I'm kind of blanking, to do like one element of a practical and there's usually two parts. Like for example, we had the two crown preps for this past practical and I think we had two hours and 45 minutes. Okay, so that's a lot longer than I just said, but two hours and 45 minutes total. So you would divide that by two and that's how long you could spend on each crown prep. But I think it's good to start timing yourself so that you know you can go into practical day and not be nervous about timing at all because you've practiced and you know it takes you 55 minutes to do this and 35 minutes to do that or maybe your times are longer you don't have to feel insecure about that as long as you're within the time range that you know you're going to be given in addition to that though timing yourself is important clinically for your future when you're going to be working on real patients you do want to be speedy as much as you can you want to perform well but the better generally speaking if you're going to be working on patients they want to get in and out of the dentist as quickly as possible while still getting quality care so don't sacrifice your quality but you will get faster with more repetition another thing i would say is to get all of your projects done that aren't your practical tooth so you can focus on the actual assessment tooth skills So that might not make sense depending on how your dental school does it or where you are in your pre-dental journey. But basically, I mentioned we had those seven sessions and then we had a practical. Within those seven sessions, we also had eight or so, you can call them homework assignments, that we had to do, but they're like in-class assignments. So we had to prep five 14s and five 30s and we had to get them all graded mock graded by the faculty we had to take pictures of them we had to scan them in with the seric machines and turn in screenshots so we had to do all that stuff and then anything extra was just practicing for the practical but d1 year if we were doing class ones and the practical was on 230 we still had to do a class one on some premolars we had to do a few class ones on 
different molars that weren't 30, but you also had to do one on 30. So just you can practice the actual skill because obviously in clinic, you don't know which tooth you're going to end up needing to work on. So it's important that they at least have us practice all of them. And then the practical is just on whatever tooth makes sense to them. But I would say to try to get all those project sheets done first, make that your priority. And then you can spend hopefully the last two or three class sessions just practicing your actual practical tooth. And maybe you'll go in after hours to practice and bring those into class when you have faculty there to help um, give you guidance. I would say just maximizing that actual class time for practical practice is great because that's when there's faculty there that can mock grade you, can give you feedback, can sit down and show you how they would do something. I think a lot of the times it's really important to ask faculty, how do you approach this? Like, I'm having trouble getting the distal lingual of this tooth because I don't have great visualization. Where do you sit and orient yourself around the patient? So you really got to be specific when you're communicating with faculty because to them, it all makes sense. They're professionals. They already know how to do it. They might not remember what it was like when they were learning or they might not have struggled in the specific thing that you're struggling in and that's okay, but they're not going to know your questions if you don't ask your questions. They'll probably be able to help you, but you have to kind of recognize where you're struggling and then be able to communicate that with faculty or with upperclassmen that are going to be able to help you and share their knowledge and the things that work for them. I do just want to caution you or encourage you that what works for one upperclassman or what works for one faculty or one of your peer students might not work for you and that's okay, but the more people you talk to in your class that are upperclassmen or faculty, it will be really helpful and eventually you're going to figure out what works best for you technique-wise. And again, I think that's something important to do even the first week or so that you're starting a new type of prep or restoration so that you can spend still time close to the actual practical knowing your technique already you don't want to be changing your technique up the week that the practical is happening if possible definitely something you'd like to avoid and my last tip for weeks out from the practical again this is like something that i think is important because it would be stressful if you're just learning this the week of and that is how to troubleshoot So in this, I mean mistakes are actually good. It's great to mess something up majorly in SimLab because one, it's SimLab. It's not even a real patient, so you don't have to feel bad about anything. It's just a plastic tooth. But also, when you make a mistake in SimLab, you have to come back from that mistake. You have to fix it, try to make the proper restoration as good as it can be given whatever you messed up on. Or if something crazy happens when you're setting up your typodont or when you're just finished everything and then part of the amalgam pops out or something. So having those things happen during practice sessions is actually good because you'll learn how to not be frazzled. You'll learn how to work through it, whether that's just using your own brain and figuring it out, whether that's asking your classmate next to you or whether that's pulling over faculty and saying, oh, no, this happened how can I fix it? And if you feel like your practicing has been totally fine and you're approaching that one week out mark from a practical and you haven't actually felt like you had to troubleshoot much, it's all been going eerily smooth, I would just say, and for anyone, even if you have had run into a lot of issues, I would tell everyone, ask your professors 
what commonly goes wrong on practical day? What are some of the biggest mistakes you see made? How can I avoid it? And what do I do if it happens? Because again, this is going to make you go into actual practical day, not as nervous, not as stressed, because you kind of feel like no matter what happens, I'm going to get through it. I know how to deal with issues. I know that if this one part of the grading criteria gets super messed up, I can at least focus on these aspects and I could still pass. Or if this happens, I know that I can restart and have enough time to still finish. And again, that's going to help you feel a lot less nervous on practical day. So next, I wanted to talk about some stuff to do or not to do the week of the practical. To me, I think it's important not to burn yourself out. Usually, I feel like our practicals were on Wednesdays for some reason. So for example, if you want to practice over the weekend once or twice or you want to come in on Monday or Tuesday, that's all fine. But I would say don't practice Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday, unless that's really what works best for you. But for me, that would not work. That would burn me out and make me not as fresh when it comes into practical day. However, I also think that it's helpful, which is my next tip, is the night before or the afternoon before, um, I would say like not day of. So either like Tuesday morning or Tuesday night or something if the practical is on Wednesday. Go into SimLab if you guys are allowed to do extra practice. I assume pretty much every school is. Go into SimLab and do a mock practical for yourself. So have a timer, have whatever testing requirements. Like for us, we can listen to music and do whatever. So I still put my headphones in. I pull out the rubric. I get the timer up on my phone, set everything up like I was have to do on practical day, and then go through and just start to finish whatever we're going to be tested on. And then if you have accessibility, you could maybe ask an upperclassman friend or a peer next to you to mock grade it for you. But honestly, at this point, you're probably very familiar with the rubric and you can have a good feel of how you did on your mock practical. And whether or not that goes smoothly, it should just make you feel confident that at least you can finish the assignment on time and you know what to expect tomorrow. And if you did make mistakes, it's just a good reminder that, oh, I nicked the tooth, adjacent tooth, when I was holding it this way. That's fresh in my mind. I won't do that tomorrow. So even if it doesn't go well, I think it's still a good learning tool. And next, we're going to talk about day of. So I don't have too much to say for this, but I just wanted to say relax. Relax, relax, relax. Please relax. And for some people, that best can be done just by putting in headphones and not really engaging too much with the chaos that your class might be creating, the chaotic, stressful energy, just kind of tuning everything out. Or if you have a faculty that you feel very comfortable with, you could chat with them to help you be relaxed and distracted and just get everything set up, focus on your practice, know that you have already made sure you're going to finish in time, know that you know how to troubleshoot, trust and know that you understand the rubric very thoroughly because you do and that you're going to perform well. And if you do mess up, if you do think you failed, guess what? It's okay. And that might be annoying to hear or that might be hard to wrap your head around if you're a pre-dental student because I know we did need to be very high achieving students in undergrad to get into dental school, but now that you're in dental school, 
you can fail an exam, you can fail a practical, and nearly nothing bad happens. It's honestly, in my mind, the practicals that I failed were such good experiences because I just got more practice. So if you do perform badly enough or do make enough mistakes or markdowns on the rubric, then you will have what's called a remediation. So at our school, everyone remediates at the end of the semester, which is a little different. Some people's schools, if you fail a practical in September, you'd probably remediate a couple weeks later in October. But for us, whether you fail the first, the second, the third, or the fourth practical, they all get remediated in December, right right after our last practical kind of before finals week. And what I liked about that is first year I did not pass our restoration for a class one, which is so funny looking back because that's really not that difficult at all. But at the time, it was hard for me and I didn't pass it. And that was in September. And we had finals in December, like I said. So I was practicing my class one restorations the whole semester, whereas everyone else that passed hadn't done a class one restoration again after the practical because we were on to new projects and had other things to do. So knowing that I had to remediate made me keep up the skill that otherwise you simply don't do because you just have so much on your plate that you're not going to do something that's not required when you're in dental school. You think you will do extra things, extra practice, extra learning, but you won't. Any ounce of free time that you have, you just spend trying to relax and there's plenty of other things to practice that you're not going to practice for a practical that already happened. But another thing that was kind of nice about remediating the restoration component, which is the filling, is that you can't fill unless you drill. So I also had to practice a bunch of class one preps, the drilling out portion, so that I could practice for my remediation, which was the filling. So I honestly got to practice both a ton, which is why I feel pretty confident with them now. So if you do not pass a practical. It is a-okay. You're just going to get more practice and essentially you just come in and you do the practical over again and they grade it. They'll tell you how you did, whether you got a B or an A or whatever it may be. And then to make it fair for the students that did pass, regardless of how well you do on your makeup or remediation practical, the grade and the grade book is still going to be a 70% a C. That's how we do it at my school at least. Um, I'd be interested to know how everyone else's schools do does remediations though if you're listening to this and are a dental student definitely send a message to at Dental Download Podcast when you're listening because I think that would be very interesting and I can also share them on the story if I get any messages for other people that are curious or for pre-dentals that are wondering about specific schools. But that's everything that I had to share with you all today when it comes to practicals in dental school. That's all the wisdom I can pass down. I hope it was helpful and I hope it was interesting. Next week, we're going to have another guest. So, It's actually a forensic dentist, and I think you're all going to find that to be very unique and interesting. It's a field that doesn't get enough attention, doesn't get enough exploration from people that are interested in dentistry. So we talk about how you can get involved in forensic dentistry, what the education timeline looks like, what the job is like in other countries versus America, and... Yeah, just like what even is forensic dentistry? We will answer that question next week in that episode. So thank you for listening so much today and I will talk to you next Monday.